millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. It's beginning to look a lot like Christmas Day thing. You know my rule. I on, feel festive. But Christmas isn't till December. <laughs> So you can't do Christmas music until December. Okay, but Georgia Murray's been eating the prep Christmas sandwich every day this week. She has every day for the past two weeks a Christmas sandwich at lunch. Yeah. That's quite a lot. That is quite a lot. Christmas sandwich. Which is why I think we should be allowed to play Christmas songs by now. Okay, well this debate can continue on and on. Well actually it is quite a festive episode because I had Scandi singer Tova Lowen and we played a game all about Christmas number ones. Right. And I went to the fashion cupboard and I asked the girls all about party dressing. Yes, exactly. Okay. We asked people their Christmas party dilemmas, didn't we? And then not so festive, but Georgia Murray's had her head in a book all week and she will be talking to us about that. Yeah, a really good book, actually. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, I can't wait to hear about that. So I better get to the fashion cupboard to talk about party dressing. Go. Hi. Hi, Hi. Annie. So I'm in the cupboard today and it's looking very festive. There's lots of sequins and frills. Well, there's always frills, but I feel like it's looking especially festive today, which is quite good because we're going to be talking about party dressing. Mm -hmm. So would you like to introduce yourselves? Yes. I'm Ruby and I'm a stylist at ASOS. And I'm Jo and I'm also a stylist. And Jo's been on the podcast a lot, but Ruby, this is your first time on These Four Walls. It is my first time. I'm very excited to be here. Can we just actually start with, have you guys sorted out what you're wearing to the Christmas party? I have, but only one thing. So I don't know whether this is too much information, but I recently got my ears pierced. (laughs) Did you? So I'm starting with some big chandelier dangly earrings. And that's that's the basis of your outfit? Yes, it's the base of my outfit. And also, they're kind of a key party thing. They're really good for this season. Yeah, the bigger the better. Okay, so Joe, have you decided what you're wearing to the Christmas party yet? I'm going to start opposite end and start from the bottom. And, and I'm going to wear trainers. Okay. Probably a fishnet. Okay, so our outfits sort are sort of half, half planned. planned. Yeah. 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 But, but should we talk, talk about, about party dressing, dressing in general? general? So, so what, what is our take, take this, this season on party dressing? dressing? The key things are era clashing, lots of 80s, um, lots of metallics and sparkles and prints and jacquard. So it's a really kind sequins. of... Sequins. Lots of sequins. So Anything like goes. more is more. More is more. This season. Okay, so we want to put on sequins. We want a bit of uh, big shapes for dresses. Mm-hmm. It's kind of very 80s. Very 80s. Channeling your David Bowie, yes. Starman. 
Okay, because on the catwalks, there were a couple of shows at Saint Laurent that had this amazing one-shoulder silver metallic dress, but then Ashish did, as they always do, sequins, but head-to-toe sequins um, in lots of different colours. Okay, so we're talking about more is more 80s sequins, and I can see that we've got a few pieces that we can talk through that we're kind of picking out. Yes. So, should we start with the first one? Yes. Let's go for what we're calling Granny Attic jacket. So the, I think this is quite interesting for party because I wouldn't necessarily think think of a jacquard in pastels as a party mm. look, but how what how are we styling it? How are we making it into something to go to wear to your office party? I would put it with like your 80s skirt, so like your 80s lame glitter mini skirt, okay, like maybe like a puffball or in a foil. Okay. So I think 80 skirt or maybe even like a, something with a big bow on it. But then maybe just to, because then obviously we've got the puffball skirt, the pastel jacquard jacket. It would be quite nice to kind of yeah. add a, a, a bit a more casual, of a basic, like yeah. a, a, a tee, like a grey multi. Okay, so and I, it's also got a couple of brooches on the collar, which is quite a nice detail. Yeah. So it's really nice to kind of add your own um, personal touch to things and like customisation. So we have got loads of brooches and we just do little kind of um, add-ons by putting them on the collar or you could put them on a little pocket. Um, and again, it just kind of makes your jacket a bit more individual okay so it's um the, the jacquard granny's jacket um and what's our next key piece um the next key piece is it's the truly 80s one shoulder metallic silver top and it's got a nice big 80s bow on the on shoulder the, on the shoulder so we're liking almost, bows big bows yeah massive bows mm. it's almost quite like a corset as well with an added one shoulder because um, corsets are massive for the party season as well and even going forward into spring summer 16 so even if you if you don't want to buy like a metallic silver corset say the shape it, is yeah just the, the, yeah the shape itself you can buy something one in a more casual fabric and so that will see you through until spring more, summer a bit more tight something a bit more tight mm. so this top is actually ticking off a lot of things it's metallic it's got a big bow it's corset shaped mm-hmm. yes. so if you just bought this one thing then yeah it would be an update for yeah party. definitely and then again like to just pare it down a little bit i'd put it over a little sports tee like a little adidas okay yeah. so layer it yeah layer it or like over one of like you know rock tees have been massive something with a logo okay i i think i'm, I'm really liking this one and what is the next one that we're going to talk about um, the next one is the animal print jacquard skirt. So Coloured animal, though. Yeah, so, it's, so is that the update, then? Yeah. Yeah, so it's rather than being your, your classic, it's pinks, neons, burgundies and navies. Yeah. And it's textured as well, so it's all about textures. So with prints, would you then put this with more prints or is this one about how would you style this? For a true party look and for what we're talking about at the moment, I would say you want print on print. Yeah, and kind clashing. of the more print, the better. So more animal print or a different kind of print? I'd do a different kind of print. We've, we've styled this skirt with like a gingham shirt or blouse. That's cute. Shirts. We've been speaking about shirts over the last couple of weeks. Everybody in the office is wearing shirts. Yeah. Shirts so again. you can still wear your shirt to Oversized the office shirts, party. Again, massive for spring, summer 17. So you can they'll see you through if you buy now. 
I'm really nice with like keys, like little styling details. So it's really nice if you've got shirts with ruffles or bows or exaggerated mm. sleeves. So they're really kind of cold playing. Cold shoulders. Yeah, cold shoulders. So really kind of playing around with proportions yeah. um, and cuts. Great. Okay. Well, I feel like those three pieces are quite key and I'm loving the silver one shoulder top. I actually went around the office and asked some other people at ASOS for their office party dilemmas, you may call them. But they had a few questions that I think it would be really nice if I put them to you. and The agony aunts. The agony aunts of the ASOS fashion cupboard and you can answer them. So are you up for it? Yes. Okay, right. Shall we play the first one? Yeah. So I've got this jumpsuit that I bought for a wedding. It's navy blue with frill sleeves, um, and I want to rewear it for my Christmas party, but I want to make it feel a bit more special. I just wonder if you could help me. How can I make it feel more special? Right, so that's quite an interesting one. Something you've already worn, but you want to wear it again, but make it feel special. So how can we do that? Ruby? Okay, I've got an idea for this. Why doesn't she get one of our sequined crop tops? Mm. and layer it underneath yeah like their high neck as well so even if say the jumpsuit might be a cow neck you know so then you just get sort of a little a two inch a bit of oh so you just see neck detail a sequin yeah. sort of roll neck detail yeah, at the top a neck detail okay. and cuff details as well yeah got, that's that's, quite, well, yeah, that's quite good fluffy Jay? and then i'd finish it off with a fluffy mule with the a shoes. glitter heel. Is it about adding a really jazzy shoe to make it feel a bit more Christmassy? Yeah, I think shoes always mix things up. So we have these ones here that are amazing. Yeah, they're called Head Turner. The Head Turner Mule. And they're navy and fluffy two straps. Then the heel is all pink glitter. Yeah. Okay, so I feel like that would make her feel special. Really special. Okay. And if she wanted to really, really top off more the outfit... More. She can add a chandelier earring. Ruby's Ruby's (laughs) chandelier earring. And a hat. Okay, right. Shall we hear the next one? Uh, This year I don't really feel like wearing a dress, um, so what are my other options if I want to be smart? Okay, so I feel like this could be me. I don't really want to wear a dress. What can I wear that I'm still smart but it's not a dress? 100% a suit. A jacquard suit. You've told, yeah, Joe, we've you've spoken told me about to wear a jacquard suit before, before haven't we, Annie? But I think maybe even a move on from jacquard is velvet. And what colour velvet? Uh, literally any colour velvet. Or, we've got a nice bright red one or... Kind of jewel tones, yeah, quite rich yeah. colours. That always feels really Christmassy yeah. as well. Mm-hmm. Or, but we've also got this ASOS white. It's almost like a silvery mink colour. So it's not so in your face and it's very slouchy. Okay, so yeah, so the colour's not that shouty, but the actual texture. Gorgeous. Okay, should we have one more? One more. So I'm wearing a dress and I don't want to wear heels, so I'd like some advice on what shoes would still look nice. I still want to look smart, so I don't want a trainer. If you could help me with that, that'd be great. So this could also be me. Uh, She doesn't want to wear heels, but she still wants to be smart. What shoe can she wear? Annie, are you secretly phoning in? Yeah, no. (laughs) All of these people are me with different voices. Uh, So what can she wear? In this case, it's got to be a loafer. Right. But maybe not your your classic black loafer. Because that's quite office yeah rather than office party that's yeah. quite office but work. to make but to go from office to office party i would get them in like a, any colors we're doing them in lots of colors or like metallics or even like tapestry 
Yeah, because we've we've had some silver loafers yeah. on site, and then yeah, the print is quite an interesting. Yeah, printed loafer or like yeah, like a bright pink or a bright. And they'll yellow. be very comfortable, and then if they're backless, you can just or even you could add a nice sock. Um, I was on a shoot yesterday, and Rock's lovely makeup artist had her loafers, and she had a fishnet sock with them, which is a a nice way of um kind of updating your shoot. Great. Okay, well, I feel like I'm ready for the office party now. I've got loads of tips. I'm also going to be asking Shannon what she's going to be wearing to the office party. I'm going to put her in head-to-toe sequins. Okay, I'll ask her if she's up for it. All right, okay, girls. Thank you very much. As usual, great tips. See you at the party. (laughs) Bye. (laughs) Bye. I'm quite excited about the Christmas party now. Yeah, I know. And then I thought, oh, I've got loads of tips, but actually maybe I'm a bit confused because I've got too many tips. Yeah, I think, thanks, but no thanks, Joe. I'm not going to wear a full sequin suit. Why not? That will look very snazzy and nice. I will look like a mirror ball. Yeah, and all the reflections will happen on the dance floor, and it'll be great. Maybe I'll do the go down the velvet suit route. That's But if we can't both wear a velvet suit. Yeah, we could could be like Santa and elves. Oh, should we coordinate? Actually, this might be quite good. (laughs) Yes. Georgia Murray, welcome back. Thank you very much. Hi, Georgia. How are you? I'm good. How are you both? Yeah, we're good. Yeah. You're holding something in your hand today. Yeah, this is a big clue to what your section's about. (laughs) You are holding a book with a really cool front cover. It is amazing. Yeah, the design's really cool. It is called The Good Immigrant, and it's edited by Nikesh Shukla. And it's got a quote from J.K. Rowling on the front. It has. I love J.K. Rowling. An important, timely read. (laughs) Yeah, J.K. Rowling was actually one of the people who crowdfunded the book. That's cool that it was crowdfunded. Was that on Kickstarter? No, so it was on Unbound, which is pretty much a Kickstarter site where authors can pitch their ideas and readers can then fund the projects. That's really cool. We can do these four walls, the book. We could do these four walls, the book. (laughs) It would be a long read. (laughs) And uh, what is the book about? So it's a series of essays written by 21 um, British writers of colour and they write about a whole host of things under the umbrellas of identity and race. So who's contributed to it? Um, Well, there's Kieran Yates, who runs British Value Zine. Yeah, she's amazing. Um, She writes about the fact that there is kind of no neat duality for British Asians um, upon returning to visit family in Punjab. And then actor Riz Ahmed. He's in the new Star Wars. Yes, yeah. really exciting. Um, so he also writes about being typecast as a terrorist in films that he's gone up for, which is not good. And there's a chapter, or the first chapter is from the editor himself. Exactly, yeah. So the editor is Nikesh Shukla, and he is an author, podcast host and writer. Um, And yeah, he edited The Good Immigrant. Um, And his first essay is about, it's called Namaste. And actually, we have um, him reading a passage for us here. One of the many online arguments I've had about the importance of language and how language can hurt has been about tea. Chai means tea. Chai tea means tea tea. The number of times you see this on the menu makes you wonder why people can't be bothered to do their research. Like naan bread as well. Bread, bread. A comedian, Kamel Nanjiani, an avid gamer, once expressed his delight that the Call of Duty series finally set a level in Karachi, the city of his childhood, now one of the top ten most dangerous cities in the world. He was appalled on playing the game to see that all the street signs were in Arabic, not Urdu. 
He talks about the effort put into making each follicle on each soldier's head stand out, into making their bootlaces bounce as they run, the millions spent developing this game, and at how at no point did anyone decide to Google the language of Pakistan. In Jurassic Park, they refer to Pachycephalosaurus dinosaurs as Pachys. The Pachys are escaping, one of the texts exclaims. The budget for the movie was $150 million. If I had to place a value on how much people would have to pay me in order to call me a Pachy, it would be more than $150 million. Words matter. Words are important. The casualness with which someone I'm working with refers to two coloured girls. The casualness with which someone having their photo taken with a nice view and me in obscuring the corner of it asks her husband to ensure he gets one without the Indian in it. The casualness of being on the last train home from London to Bristol in the same car as the bar listening to two white drunk men in their early 20s shout at each other, N-word, we made it, repeatedly with excruciating enthusiasm. They're just quoting rap, someone might think. They're drunk, they're harmless, they're exuberant, dickish but exuberant. But language is important. Years before, I sat in an Indian restaurant around the corner. It was called, oh, Calcutta. I found both exclamation marks alarming. The place was owned by a white guy. As I sat with my best friend and his then-girlfriend staring at the disco lights, I listened to Kula Shaker sing about Tattva, about Govinda Jaya Jaya Gopala Jaya Jaya. I read the menu. One of the dishes listed was chicken chuddy, described as an exotic blend of authentic spices, tomato and peppers. It sounded so generic. What was an exotic blend? What were authentic spices? Also, tomato and pepper. These are what you're calling the biggest tastemakers apart from chicken in the dish. What the hell is chicken chuddy? Also, as you know, chuddy means pants. I told my friend and his then-girlfriend. They laughed at the whiteness of it all. <laughs> they said. Cultural misappropriation is hilarious, they said. I felt mortified for the owner. He'd probably been duped by some guy he'd asked for a word that sounded Eastern. Maybe the chef was having a joke with him. Maybe he was having a joke with his clients. I looked around. Everyone in the restaurant was white. It was a student hipster paradise. The mix of cod Eastern Britpop minimal red lighting like a moody Ryan Gosling film and the prices. It felt like puppetry of food, the biggest crime. Not only was Western Balti curry now synonymous with my country's cuisine, but now we had white guys aping the food we made to fit in with the white guys. I called the manager over. The chicken chuddy, I said. You know that chuddy means pants, don't you? He laughed. Ha 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 he said. You're having me on, he replied. It's a specific blend of spices. Nice try. It means pants, I repeated. He smiled, itching to get away. I let him. But language is important. That was great. It's really nice to hear it read in his own voice as well. Exactly. I'm a big fan of audiobooks. <laughs> um, I actually got Nikesh on the phone to talk a little bit more about the book and how it came about. Hi, I'm Nikesh Shukla. I am an author and the editor of a collection of essays called The Good Immigrant, which came out recently. You're known, and I've seen on Twitter, and that you've kind of long called out the publishing world for its lack of diversity. Um, so can you tell me a bit about how that led to um, The Good Immigrant sort of idea first being conceived? Yeah, well, I, I guess I got sick of being on diversity panels. I got sick of um, people in the industry like 
just assuming that writers of colour are complaining all the time and they only ever get anywhere um, because of tokenism or affirmative action or like they they know people and they never get anywhere because of merit and I just got so sick of like talking about it on Twitter and like writing hot takes for the Guardian for blogs and stuff and I just thought you know what can I do and I know loads of amazing writers of colour and I thought well um, and after a conversation on Twitter with uh, Michelle Kwonga who's one of you know one of my closest mates and mm-hmm. also just an incredible writer um, I just thought well I, I can do this thing myself, um, you know, instead of waiting around for a collection of essays about race and immigration with like the growing <clears throat> need for those conversations to happen, especially like when you look at America and like books like Citizen by Claudia Rankin and Tanahasi Coates' Between the World and Me, mm-hmm. um, I just thought, you know, the UK needs to have a long, hard conversation with itself. And so I thought, well, I'll just do it myself. So I put together this collection and, and uh, I knew a bunch of the writers, I, I, I admired a bunch of the writers. I knew like some like non-writers with some interesting stories and there were some other people who I was like I'm intrigued by you I want to know more <clears throat> and like, the book wasn't conceived as any sort of political manifesto about immigration or anything it was about it was more about representation and just having these stories, capturing these stories by these writers in their own voices. And so, like, my brief to them was, you tell me a story and I will get out of your way and you tell me that story. Mm-hmm. Um, and so some of the stories, like, some of the rhetoric disagrees with itself or some people. Yeah. Like, there isn't a party line, like, throughout it, which I think is really interesting. And actually, like, a thing that's not really been done before because, like, people from BAME backgrounds or people from marginalized communities were so often were asked to be the spokesperson for our entire marginalized community. And I don't want that responsibility. Like, you don't want that responsibility. No one wants that responsibility. And like, hey, um, hey, like, why is it so revolutionary that a bunch of writers of colour from a marginalised community are able to write with nuance and um, disagree with each other and have different opinions and have different stories to tell? Like, it's it, that isn't revolutionary and that isn't groundbreaking in any way. I well, I think yeah. the second essay in the book um, by Zareto, um sums up really nicely. Yeah, in the last sentence, um, where she says, "There's no something along the lines of there's no one way to be black," and that's just such a lo- lovely ending to that, and it sort of is apparent throughout the entire collection. Um, yes, but it is quite astounding that people are surprised by that. Yeah, and I, and often I think diversity is interesting because uh, Satnam Sangera, who's another writer, um, once said that the, the problem with diversity is like so often we're like black and Asian and minority ethnic writers are expected to be excellent mm-hmm. and we have to be amazing all of the time and that's why so few of us get through it. And actually when you look at the amount of mediocrity in books and in the arts and fashion and films from, like, from white people, like mm-hmm. we would like the opportunity to make shit films and bad books yeah. and average songs and like okay hot takes like that's true diversity ultimately i do think that books and films and music and like fashion like they can change the world like we like i do think the arts have a social responsibility to mm-hmm. you know there's this um there's this brilliant quote from Zadie smith where she goes um like in white teeth actually very very reminded me of this quote and i've been like 
saying it a lot. So thanks for, for reminding me of this quite a bit. Um, mm-hmm. There's a line in White Teeth where um, Zeddy writes, there was England, a gigantic mirror, and there was Irie, who's one of their characters, without reflection. And I think that's how people from marginalised communities yeah. feel. Like, they feel without reflection. And there's another brilliant quote from Gino Diaz, another writer, where he goes, you know, think about think about um, like how vampires and monsters don't have any reflection like the way to strip anyone of their humanity is to deny them at the cultural level any reflection of themselves yeah and that representation missing yeah representation is so important I like you know it's not you know I think you know like when we think about anti-racism movements and like things around mass incarceration and um, you know police executions of bad people in America, like, obviously, this isn't nowhere near, like, that end of the spectrum of, like, what's going on. But I do think, like, mm-hmm. at a societal level, it's a basic right of people to be represented, to feel, you know, if we're constantly asked to assimilate and integrate and count ourselves as British or English, then, you know, at some level, we have to see ourselves reflected in British society. I guess that brings us back to the name. Um, it, you kind of came up with it because of um, a friend telling you that you can either be a good immigrant or a bad immigrant, or at least that's how it's perceived. Um, can you tell me a bit about that? Yeah, sure. So that was that was the same conversation I was having with Mr. Kwong. And actually, like the idea of like the good immigrant is is an idea that sort of predates the title of the book. I just stole it. <laughs> um, <laughs> you can't copyright titles, um, but it, it is it is this idea that like your default. Um, starting position as an immigrant or as a child of an immigrant or as like a person of colour when you are other in in the western world it seems you start from this default position of being like a bad immigrant like you're here mm-hmm. to steal jobs or you're here to steal women or you're here to steal like the places in the GP waiting rooms or mm-hmm. you're here to like wreak economic havoc on on like people who like are getting pushed out of their jobs and all this sort of stuff and then like you like the way you can become a good immigrant is to like transcend in the public eye. So like you win the Great British Bake Off, or mm-hmm. you um, <clears throat> you win gold in an Olympic medal. Like like, like Mo Farah should be like by rights the Daily Mail's worst nightmare, but yeah. like, he's, he's a sign of multicultural Britain. And like look at Nadia Hussain, who was like you know she won the Great British Bake Off, like a, a charming example of Britishness, and she was a good immigrant. And then she goes on Desert Island Discs and talks about how. Um, she's been treated differently and experienced casual racism because she wears a hijab. And then, like, Liz Jones basically, like, rails against her in the Daily Mail and she becomes a bad immigrant again. And, like, you just think, who is making these Stop rules? categorising us. So the book was founded through Unbound, which is such an amazing idea. I, until reading Good Immigrant, I didn't know about it and I've now signed up. It's such a fantastic idea. Um, and you hit the target in three days, which is amazing. The thing that Unbound does is sort of take the power of word of mouth away from, like, the, the sort of the mainstream, like, book mainstream places of, like, word of mouth, like, book pages and literary editors and, mm-hmm. like, book bloggers and stuff. And it puts it in the hand of readers, which I think is really powerful because ultimately I'm not looking, I'm not necessarily looking for an amazing review in The Guardian. I'm looking for loads and loads of readers to read it and go, ah, mm-hmm. oh, that book really inspired me to go and do something positive or, like, I feel represented and that gives me more of a stake in society. That's what I'm looking for. Like, I'm looking for readers. I'm not, I don't care about the bloody mainstream white literary editors or what have you. Mm-hmm. When you're, when you 
question when you ask the question like why are there no why are there hardly any books by writers of colour published? Why has there not been why has a major publisher not put out an exciting debut by a black British male writer in like the last ten, fifteen years? Mm. Um they they go, Well there isn't really a market for these sorts of books. Who reads books by black and Asian people? Black and Asian people don't read. And you go, oh, well, that's insulting. First of all, oh, you've reduced my skin colour to a marketing trend. And he told me it's a not very lucrative marketing trend. Mm. And when, pe- when people go, well, publishing's a business, we have to make money. Like, I don't know. Um, there isn't a market for this. I, um, what they're actually saying is, I don't know how to sell this. I don't understand it. Um, I don't feel connected to it because it's not by someone who looks like me. And that's why representation is important because if people within the industry are like going, acting like representation, like gives them the necessary empathy and enthusiasm to, to, to sell stuff, then like we, we need that space as well. Mm-hmm. And so I thought, what better way to show that there is a market for these books than a platform that funded a book to exist before a word of it was even written. Talking of sort of obviously the writers in the book you love and think have so much to sort of say that we need to listen to, um, where else do you get your, um, where else should we go if we want to um, read works by writers of colour, both British and international? Obviously there's Galden, but um, yeah, where else should we check out? Well, yeah, Galden, Skin Deep, Media Diversified, they're all doing amazing things. Um, I really like, um, I guess I guess the thing I, I, I tend to do is just follow the right people on Twitter and they tend to flood my timeline with amazing things. I really think BuzzFeed Reader is doing some amazing things as well and producing, okay. like, uh, highlighting some incredible writers of colour. What advice do you have like you said you've well Liv actually said that you've kind of been a mentor to the Galdem girls um, which is really lovely um, but um, do you have sort of any advice for um, budding novelists or um, editors or people who sort of want to get into that world um, just don't just write the thing that you want to write don't pander to any like to the white gaze, don't pander to um, what you think is publishable. Just you know, and you know, tell tell the stories that aren't being told. And the other thing is, this is just a simple simple thing. Like before you even send your book out to any agents or editors or other writers, just finish it, finish it to the best of your abilities, and then find someone who can give you uh, an outsider perspective and um, get them to give you feedback, and then edit it, and then send it out to people. Just make it really hard for people to say no, and often the best way to make it hard for people to say no is to just make sure something is finished. Okay, cool. That's really great advice. Thank you so much, Akash. Cheers. Bye. Bye. Right, I really need to get a copy of this book. Yeah, same. Secret Santa? Yeah, we should leave on everyone's desk. Yeah, it's out now, right, Georgia? Exactly, so you can get any good bookshop online and make sure you check out Nikesh's other books as well. Yeah, we will. Well, thanks, Georgia Murray. Thanks, Georgia. No worries. See you guys next episode. Bye. Bye. Okay, so what have we got coming up next? Well, next up, we've got everyone's favourite Scandi singer, Tovalo, and things are about to get festive again. Why? Because we're going to be talking Christmas number ones. Okay, but we're not going to be playing any Christmas number ones because it's not December yet. What about singing them? 
you're going to sing them. Last Christmas, I okay, gave you so my heart. On the very next day, you gave it away. This year. So I'm here with Tovalo. Hi, Tov. Hey. I'm saying it wrong, aren't I? How would you say it? No, that's right. Yeah. Tovalo. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Um, welcome to ASOS, which is unnaturally cold today. Yeah, We've I know. had to wrap you up in blankets. Lucky, yeah, you're lucky you got all these great fashionable coats here that I can wrap myself up in. We did. Tove's <laughs> currently sporting. What have we found there? It's like an orangey faux It's an orangey coat over the legs. thing, yeah. Great. It's very nice. So when did mm. you get to London? Uh, yesterday night, yeah. Ah, mm-hmm. What did you do last night? Uh, nothing. I'm a little bit sick, so I kind of just went straight to... We landed at like around midnight, so I was kind of straight oh, into bed. Yeah. That's tiring. <laughs> um, I feel a bit ill too. It's no, no, a very, I, like, coldy podcast. Well, I, well, I came um, from LA back to Sweden on Wednesday last week, and I think um, the, uh, like, and it was snowing in Stockholm, so I think that kind of just hit me really fast. And, oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Quite Christmassy, though. Yeah, it's really nice. It's beautiful. Do you get to go back to Stockholm a lot? I've seen mm. your schedule's pretty crazy at the moment. I was just looking at your tour. So you go on tour yeah. December through till March, April. Yeah, I would say that. And then it's like festival season starts. So it's pretty much going to be like... F- no rest for you. <laughs> no rest for me, no. It's, but I mean, I, I love it. I love touring. I think it's like one of my favorite things. So, yeah. <laughs> Where are your favorite places to play? One of my favorite places, I think... I mean, so many, but um, the one that was probably the like biggest experience was probably Rio de Janeiro. Oh, really? In, uh, Brazil. Yeah, that was amazing. Why? What was that good about it? Well, just... It was... My first time ever being to um, to Brazil, and it was just like, just the vibe of the city, and it was so beautiful, and and um, um, the fans that I met there were just so like insanely excited. <laughs> like I've never like I, like most of my fans are like very sweet and and you know excited, but this was like next levels. <laughs> and uh, we played on top of like Sugarloaf. Mountain, no so it's just like everything was just very what? like unreal and amazing. That's yeah. so cool. That sounds like an amazing show. Yeah. And then, what do you like to do when you do get home? When you do go back to Sweden? Mm. Well, usually, um, just see my friends and my family, and my dog that I never get to see. Oh. I mean, I get to go home like every three months or so, um, but it's usually for just like a couple of days, so it's really quick. Um, but I hang out with my friends, um, just kind of chill I usually do have some like need to go into the studio and record something or like kind of still music elements but um and I always try and go get like a massage at like my one of my favorite places because it's just oh, nice. awesome <laughs> yeah <laughs> I could really do the massage mm-hmm. right now well hopefully you won't be in the studio for a little bit because your album your second album is out now Ladywood yes congratulations thank you it's thank so, you so much. good it's so exciting thank you and I'm so happy with it I'm really really happy with like all I, mean, I try not to read too much what people are saying but the ones but like I did like you know going and see like what my fans think and yeah. everything and it's been so much love so I'm really really happy yeah. I've read quite a lot about people what people are saying it's oh. all being like super positive oh good thank you <laughs> you also decided to release a short film with it which mm-hmm. is I've watched this morning and it's very dark and it's like so hypnotizing like what was the idea behind it so the short um, yeah, it's the first, so it's about the first chapter of the, um, so Lady Woods divided into two chapters, Fairy Dust and Fire Fade, and I work with Tim Aram, who's my creative director on it, and we, um, so it's a short film about the first chapter, so it's called Fairy Dust, and it's, a, the whole album is about chasing rushes and kind of doing things that um, scare me and turn me on at the same time, 
um, doing things that make you feel the most alive and, and kind of the upsides and downsides to that. So Fair Dust just shows that kind of the first stage of it when it's just kind of like a beautiful escape and everything is new and exciting and it's like um, you don't feel the consequences but there are consequences and I think like the movie I play against uh, this amazing actress Lena Esco who she represents sort of my self-destructive alter ego she's in the so film. good she's amazing she's amazing and um, she kind of represents like what like a side of me that like I don't really like and also like my worst nightmare to become fully yeah. <laughs> um, and I wrote the monologues to that which is also like a very new thing for me where like she acts out you know my words which is kind of a crazy feeling but um, the whole film is about kind of my love and hate relationship with her like falling into that behavior and feeling very free in that and kind of it's a relief to just let everything go you know and then kind of trying to pull myself out of it but then finding other things to escape to kind of and it's it's very dark it's very sexual and it has a lot of like just kind of I think it's a powerful message but also like even if you believe in something there's there's always like there's always like another side to it you know even if you're like oh there's I'm not trying to paint like the perfect picture of anything it's just reality do you know what I mean yeah, like I think every episode has a dance out. Yeah, and I'm just yeah, yeah, showing yeah. all of it, really. I think even yeah. well, with your first album as well, you've always been very open about those kind yeah. of emotions. So yeah, it's refreshing. It's very cool. Thank you. So Fairy Dust is out now, and that's it's about half an hour, isn't it? And that's yeah. available on YouTube. So go and yes. watch it. And the album is out now too. So go and listen to it. Now we're going to play a little game. Are you ready to play? I'm ready. Tova, <laughs> high or lower? <laughs> <laughs> okay, I've got the official chart in front of me from last Christmas, okay? Ooh. Ooh. So from Christmas number one down to number 25. Okay. I am going to tell you a song, mm-hmm. and you're going to have to tell me whether you think it placed higher or lower than the previous song. <laughs> okay, so there was a re-entry from Wham! last Christmas. Ooh. Do you like it? That used to be one of my favourite Christmas songs. But, I mean, yeah, but how do I answer if it's higher or lower? Oh, I'm going to tell you another song. Oh, okay. <laughs> you're, in ga- you're in game mode now. <laughs> I was like, there's nothing to compare to. Yeah, okay. Yeah, sweet. I like it. Mm. Is that the right answer? Mm. <laughs> okay. So, Wham! Last Christmas. Mm. Do you think that is higher or lower than what do you mean, Justin Bieber? I'm just going to say higher just because... It yeah. was lower. Lower? Oh. So I mean, Bieber, obviously, I think feel like he wins everything. But yeah, I just, yeah. Those believers. So, Punch, one was at yeah. number 18. And Bieber, what do you mean, was number five? Okay, well. All right. Okay. <laughs> what about History by One Direction? Um, higher or lower than what do you mean by Bieber? Probably higher because they're from here. It's the Believers managed to beat the Directioners <laughs> because it was close, but One Direction was number eight with history. Okay, uh, let's do one more. There's another Bieber. There's three Biebers <laughs> in the charts. Oh, I mean, for sure, he's awesome. He deserves it. No, no question there. But yeah, I but felt yeah. like you'd give like your UKers some more love. I know. <laughs> Well, apparently not. Um, love yourself. Do you think that came higher or lower than what do you mean by Bieber? Higher? Yes. Oh, go Bieber on right. beat okay. himself. Yeah. Do you want to do one more? Ben Sheeran wrote that, I think. Oh, really? Yeah. I didn't so know that. That's, 
he spoke to your hearts. Yeah. Oh, so, so the British people got a bit of love. Mm-hmm. Okay, let's do one more. Hello by Adele. Massive song, but did it manage to knock off Bieber? Love yourself. Yes. No. No. Oh. No. Adele was number. He's four. killing it. Okay. Yeah. So this time last <laughs> year, okay. Bieber absolutely okay. smashed it. Isn't he Canadian? Yeah. He's yeah. Canadian, right. Mm. What would you love to? What would you love to see as Christmas number one this year? Or which artist? Christmas number one. Um. I feel like I haven't gotten into it. I've never been like a big Christmas song person, honestly. So I don't like, I feel like I wish for a, like, I don't know who would do it, but like, maybe like, um, maybe like 1975 do uh, a remake of um, uh, I'm Dreaming of a White Christmas. That would be cool. Yeah. I don't know why that just came to my head right now. I just feel like that would be amazing. (laughs) I don't know if I can make that happen. (laughs) Have a word. I'll reach out for sure. Yeah. (laughs) Guys, here's my wish for Christmas. Thanks. (laughs) Maybe if I knew them, but I've never even met them, but I'm a fan. So, yeah. (laughs) I think social media will make it happen. Um, Thank you so much for coming in. You've been amazing. So Bieber was basically up against himself last Christmas. Bieber was basically Santa, and I can't believe he beat Last Christmas because that is my favourite Christmas song. Yeah, I know. I don't last know how I feel Christmas. About- oh. <laughs> <laughs> I won't. Yeah, okay. I won't go sing. Again. Instead, I will say thank you very much, Tovalo, for coming in and joining us, uh, and also thank you to Nikesh Shukla, who George and Murray spoke to, and that amazing book. And I can say thank you to Joe and Ruby, our stylists, for schooling us on what to wear this party season. Yeah, some great party season tips. Uh, if you like us, don't forget to rate us and subscribe on iTunes, Acast or wherever you get your podcasts from. And tune in next episode for more from These Four Walls. One day, Annie was walking to the fashion cupboard and she had a coffee in her hand. Annie, why are you talking about yourself in the third person? Um, uh, this is our audiobook. These Four Walls, uh, audiobook. Okay. <laughs>